Welcome to So Unbecoming, a podcast for military spouses in the process of unbecoming one version of themselves in favor of another, looking to rejoin the workforce after time spent away supporting their families, the military, and its mission. We'll hear the unfiltered stories of spouses who have made or are making their way through the hiring and employment processes, and hear from experts on a variety of job search and professional skills topics. I'm Jamie Muskoff, and I'm a Navy spouse who recently re-entered the workforce after a nearly six-year career gap, and I'm about to start my journey as a student in the Doctor of Social Work program at the University of Southern California, Suzanne Dvorak Peck School of Social Work. My mission is to advocate for all military spouses looking to embrace whatever season they're in, wherever they are in military life, and to explore how organizations can improve their social responsibility initiatives as they look to serve our military spouse community. I am so happy you're here. I'm incredibly grateful for your time. Let's get started. In this second episode of So Unbecoming, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Liesl Stanhope, a Navy veteran and military spouse who transitioned from nuclear surface warfare officer to attorney, while at the same time supporting the career of an active duty submarine warfare officer, Rob, and raising their two brilliant and active young sons, JD and Will. We cover a lot of ground in our conversation regarding the hurdles military spouses encounter while trying to bar and practice law, how she overcame those hurdles, and how law firms that operate as modern digital workplaces can most easily benefit from from and support military spouse talent. So let's get to my conversation with attorney Liesl Stanhope. Give us um, a little bit of background about who you are and where you're from and where you are now and how long you've been a military spouse. Um, Okay. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and I got a Navy ROTC uh, scholarship to Duke University where I went to school and then I I was commissioned as an officer in the Navy upon graduation, and I joined the Navy as a surface warfare officer with a nuclear subspecialty. So um, I went to Japan for my first tour and qualified as a surface warfare officer Mm -hmm. on the USS Chancellorsville, which is um, a guided missile cruiser. And then I went to nuclear power school, which... um, every military spouse is very familiar with. (laughs) And I, uh, and went through that pipeline. And then I uh, reported for duty on board the USS Harry S. Truman as the reactor controls division officer. And I was there for two years. And then after that tour, I got out of the military um, and went to law school at Washington College of Law in at American University. And that is the point where I became a military spouse. I um, met my husband. He sat behind me in nuke school, mm-hmm. and he decided to stay in, and I decided to get out. And um, and so when I got out, we decided to get married, and um, we got married, and I almost, I think I was, like, in civilian, like, out in civilian life and for less than a year before I became a military spouse. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so... Uh, yeah, so I uh, and so that was over ten years ago um, that that I've been a military spouse, and it's uh, and I went to law school as a military spouse, mm-hmm. and um, now we have found ourselves in upstate New York. We're closer to Canada than we are to New York City, if that gives you an idea of where we are. Yeah, and um, and I am an attorney who works remotely from home for. Um, 
my, I worked for a law firm called SRD Legal Group. Mm-hmm. And it um, basically does contract negotiation for uh, large, like, private equity firms in New York City. Well, all over the world, actually. But our main clients are in New York City. So it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're So you're an underachiever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have such an amazing career path and just... Uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. And, and your education path as well. I, I think that's great. How long have you been working for this particular law firm? I have been working for SRD Legal Group for just over a year now. I, um, okay. I bounced around between a lot of different things, mainly due to being a military spouse. But um, And then uh, this job works out perfectly because it's remote. So it can. I've mm-hmm. already done one PCS while I've been in it. So, so great. It's amazing. So, yeah. So speaking of PCSs and things like that, <laughs> how how has kind of the military life affected your ability to have a continuous um, pursuit of your career? Uh, it, it, so the military, my, my like status as a military spouse affected mm-hmm. everything from like the beginning of my career as an attorney to like right now. And it's, um, mm-hmm. And because when I applied to law school, I applied to one college and thank God I got in, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I applied to about 20 law schools, which is incredibly expensive because we didn't mm-hmm. know where my husband, my husband was going to be stationed because it was, mm-hmm. you have to apply so far out. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, um, and I applied to like one per city for 20 different cities and wow. we ended up in Washington, DC, which worked out cause I got into one there. <laughs> and, and so like, it's not the typical way that most people pick a law school, Sure, but, um, but I, I liked my law school a lot and I really liked going to law school in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, attorneys have to take a, a bar somewhere. And I took mm-hmm. it in Connecticut because we thought, well, who's going to ask for Connecticut? Um, <laughs> it turns out everyone asks for Connecticut. <laughs> so, so I took the bar there and we moved there for six months for um, department head school. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we got, um, we got orders to Washington state. And so I filled out the entire application for Washington state and the bar application. I mean, I just filled out a new one and it's like three inches fixed thick. Mm-hmm. You have to like, you know, work history for the last 10 years. You have to get all these recommendations, et cetera, et cetera. Plus take a huge test. Mm-hmm. So I filled out everything for Washington state. I was about to send in the incredibly large check you have to send in. <laughs> and then, the, and Rob came home and said, well, we're going to Hawaii now. <laughs> <laughs> and this was two weeks before we moved. So, um, so I didn't bar in Hawaii, um, mm-hmm. but I did um, end up working in Hawaii at a nonprofit uh, legal center for veterans. Well, it's for mm-hmm. anyone of low income in Hawaii that um, it's called Volunteer, Volunteer Legal Services Hawaii. And it um, and they wanted to open up a, a veterans benefits uh, clinic for veterans to help veterans uh, prosecute their claims or maybe navigate their claims is a better word with mm-hmm. the VA and I had some experience with that. And so I volunteered for a while and then they asked me, they wanted to hire me to, um, to work there to like really get it all set up. And so, mm-hmm. um, that's what I did in Hawaii and which mm-hmm. was a great thing. But when I was in law school, that, uh, that wasn't 
particularly an area of law that I was really interested in, mm-hmm. though I have, I do have a lot of experience in it at this point. And it's, it's a very rewarding area of law. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and then as any military life know, uh, wife knows, you really have no control over when or where you're moving. And we've mm-hmm. moved, I think every two years for, I mean, forever, every yeah. two to, to three years forever. And, um, I think so, and so my my career has kind of taken a back seat to my husband's definitely because mm-hmm. um, he already had a career when I got out of law school. But um, I think in the legal profession, when I was in law school, and I said, "Well, you know, this is what I'm working with," I had a lot of attorneys, uh, a lot of law professors, you know, ones who had seen all these students come through, tell me that I would never be able to practice law. Wow. Yeah. So, but I think (laughs) (laughs) what made them say that just because of your status? Well, I think law is very local. And Mm -hmm. so, um, like lawyers don't move around a a Mm -hmm. bunch. They, they might have like federal practices and things like that, but you stay at the same firm for a while. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so it's hard it's, you know, unless it's, it's very hard to, you know, to move every two years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of law is state law. And so that's mm-hmm. why all the states have their own exams and such. Mm-hmm. And so to, when you sit down and tell uh, a, a, someone like, hey, I'm, I want to be a lawyer, I'm going to move every two years. There's no way for me to guess where I'm going to be. Like, mm-hmm. I can guess, but I'll be, you know, most likely wrong. Um, and I might also move outside of the continental United States. You know, it's, especially coming out of law school, I think it makes, it's a huge challenge, Mm -hmm. but, um, but there are, there's a lot of resources and there's becoming more and more resources out there now that, um, I've found incredibly helpful. So it's sure. Well, and I feel like maybe the, you kind of found this really great niche of being able to work for a company that is i mean you can do it remotely and is it is it still dependent upon the state that you're living in or do you can you move with it to a different state and be okay no i can um this job i have i can i could move to a different country my my boss was like we'll keep you on <laughs> but i don't know how that would work and i was like oh i'd just be on the night shift or something <laughs> um because I mean, we do. We'll, I do contracts. I had. I just did mm-hmm. one in India the other day. So like, I wow. do contracts all over the world, and um, and so it 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 work. It somehow it works. And I think this is. And what I do is a great. Like how this law firm is set up, it's not only a great thing for military spouses, mm-hmm. but it's also a great thing for anyone who doesn't want to work in a traditional law firm where you're going mm-hmm. to work and you're expected to be there from like. I think in like in New York and our the firms we work with, the attorneys are routinely there till nine or ten at night, mm-hmm. and I definitely have some long days, mm-hmm. but I can get my kids off the bus every day, mm-hmm. which is huge for me. Yeah, that's a great flexibility for whether you're a military spouse or not. Just exactly, being and, and being able to do that—that's awesome. That's really great. Um, so. Just, I guess, going backwards a little bit, what made you decide to pursue law after being a SWO and, <laughs> you know, a new SWO and, you know, doing that career? What made you get into, want to get into law once you decided to become a civilian again and then um, 
as far as like you're working now, and we talked a, lot, a little bit about it, but um, moving forward now, what are some conditions, I guess, that you would say need to be in place in order for you to continue practicing law while your husband still does his military career? So um, the reason I decided to get out of the military is because I looked at the people who worked above me and I looked at my career path mm-hmm. and I would be going on a seagoing vessel for a majority of the next 10 years. And I was uh, like 20, 26 or 27 of, of the time to- at the time. Mm-hmm. And then the way that they wanted my career to go that they would think is that, you know, I'd always be on or about to get on a ship and I just didn't want to have that kind of family life. Um, mm-hmm. And I tried to actually laterally transfer to a bunch of different areas, but um, SWO nukes are, really undermanned (laughs) so Mm -hmm. they don't they don't let go of them that easily so I said well I'm 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 gonna get out then and um I I uh my dad's a lawyer so I know Mm -hmm. a lot about law and I realized being um in the navy I mean I guess I you could say that I have the aptitude for the science and the technology behind Mm -hmm. nuclear you know reactors however um that wasn't the part that I enjoyed. The part that mm-hmm. I enjoyed was the problem solving and not mm-hmm. like the problem solving, like tracing a line or whatever, but mm-hmm. like the problem solving with people, like how are we going to solve this problem? How are we going to get this done? Whether mm-hmm. there are personnel issues or getting out of the shipyard or, you know, whatever the issue was. Um, and I enjoyed that part of it. And a, an attorney is someone that people come to because they have a problem and they need to solve it. Um, mm-hmm whether it's a problem, you know, with the law or you, you want to get a contract written so that, um, you and someone else can do business or whatever the case may be. And so that's what attracted me to being an attorney. And I really loved law school. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think that's something important for anyone to figure out is not just what you have and like, you might be good at, but what are you good at and what do you enjoy? Mm And so I, it took me six and a half years, but I did figure it out of it. <laughs> I, I think I'm, that's still short. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> so moving ahead, I mean, you have this position that's remote now. So, you know, as far as like when you, because obviously I, you know, we, well, not obviously, not obvious to everybody else, <laughs> but we, we were neighbors when you started working in Hawaii and volunteering. And I know at that time, you know, we both had really little kids and, you know, and that it got to a certain point where you were able to like, to manage that and, you know, his being on a sea tour and then, you know, like getting to the point where you could have the time and the resources to actually like go out and, and work out in town. So, you know, but obviously now they've, the kids have gotten bigger, you know, things have changed, you've moved to different places. You know, what are some things that you feel like when you're making that decision, like, okay, I'm going to go back to work now, or at least going to start trying to get back into my field now. What were some things that were happening in your life that you said, like, okay, I think I can, I can handle this right now moving forward? Um, well, the biggest thing was I found a, um, a preschool for my son that I absolutely loved in, in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. it was, like, the sort of place and the, the, um, the teachers there were the sort of people that, like, if, you know, I had a car accident and for some reason Rob was out of town, I would trust mm-hmm. – 
those women to come and take care of my children for as Mm -hmm. long as it took for me to get better. I mean, I just, they were wonderful people. I'm still in touch with them. And I've been very lucky in all of my child, like childcare Mm -hmm. that I've always had people that I really trusted in Hawaii, um, for Will, I had, who was, I think he was like maybe less than six months old when I started working. And, um, I had, um, a friend of mine who happened to be JD's first, uh, preschool teacher. And Mm -hmm. she thought she was moving off the island. So she didn't like find a new job. And, um, it ended up that they weren't moving off the island. And so she, (laughs) she was free. And I was like, well, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and she was wonderful. And she was another person that like, I completely trusted with my, my children. And I think, I think that's a huge thing for any parent is that mm-hmm. and for childcare and whenever people ask me about childcare, I say that I say, find some place or someone who you completely trust and mm-hmm. you, you feel completely comfortable with taking care of your child. Cause otherwise you're not going to be happy at work. Cause you're going to mm-hmm. always be worried about that. And the other thing is, is that, um, for both of them, I like, like price was sort of, I mean, childcare is so expensive, mm-hmm. but I think if you have someone that you trust that completely and that you mm-hmm. like that much and who's taking care of your child, I mean, mm-hmm. there is only so much you can afford, but like, you don't mind paying that mm-hmm. much because you are, you know, it's your child. So that, that was a big deal in, um, in Connecticut is that I found some, someone who was, uh, I found a place like that and Will was just so happy there. So that, you know, it kind of like Will grew up a little bit because he had a place that wasn't, Mm -hmm. that didn't involve me. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing was, is that Rob, my husband wasn't going out to sea anymore. And so Mm -hmm. he, you know, he could do things around the house and he Mm -hmm. could parent and be, you know, just, and just little things like he started emptying the dishwasher, which is my most (laughs) hated chore. I hate doing it. And, um, he would start and he still does it every morning and it's, it's a small thing. And he, you know, and he's taken on more of like the load of being a parent and being in, you know, living in our house and Mm -hmm. more and more. And that takes a huge, even though it's not something you think about, like, all the time, but like having someone else to do laundry is, Mm -hmm. it just makes you feel a lot better. And so I felt like I could do a better job at, at any job that I was to go to. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I started looking and I didn't, I mean, I was lucky in finding this firm, but it was not my first interview. I sent out a lot of letters. I went to a lot of interviews Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, this one, and, it was, it's in an area that I didn't have, um, I don't have a lot of, I, well, I didn't have a lot of experience. I do now, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have a lot of experience and, um, but the, they were impressed. My, uh, my, the managing partner was impressed enough by my resume that she decided to take a chance and mm-hmm. it's worked out really well. So it's, it's a great job. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so really, I mean, I, I see this theme popping up a lot is that um, when spouses are, are going to pursue a more than a job, but a position that is related to their mm-hmm. career field, you know, there there's a lot of effort 
on the part of the person who's trying to make it happen to happen. Like you, you know, not only you didn't put yourself out there like to one company and hope for the best, <laughs> you know, no. you, you put yourself out there a lot and, you know, and some people have mentioned that, they, that, that takes, um, you know, that t- kind of takes a lot of courage for them, especially if they've been out of it for a little while or, you know, um, so what, what three pieces of advice, I guess, would you give other attorneys, um, who are military spouses, um, about, you know, pursuing this career path, whether if they're, you know, just still, they're out of it right now because they're just, it's just not the season in their life to be in it and and they're trying to get back in or they're just starting out. Like what, what would be the three things that you would say? Like, I try this. (laughs) The first thing I would do is I would find someone else in your position Mm -hmm. and talk to them and see how they do it. Like, how have they made it work for them? And, you know, those things might not work for you, um, but see, like, exactly how they do it. And and it it helps you, I think, not only, you know, it helps you get confidence that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and for me, for attorneys, there's this, um, it's actually a bar association called uh, msjdn.org. And it's a, so it's military spouse military spouses who have JDs or law degrees Mm -hmm. and it's, um, they've, they've lobbied their big thing that they've been doing is lobbying for a military spouse rule with all these different bar, all these different States so that you can wave into the bar Mm -hmm. still with the hefty application, still, still Mm -hmm. with the fee, but, um, you don't have to take the test, Mm -hmm. which is huge. Um, and so, and they've done great things. And then they also have a mentoring program and they have a lot of different, um, Things and I that's how I found my job in Hawaii. And then I think this job was posted that with SRD Legal Group was posted on their jobs board. And um, they have blog articles. So it's been a that's been a really great resource for me. And I, I've I've even like met we have meetups and things like that that I've gone to. So find find someone and talk to them and see how they do it. And mm-hmm. um, the second thing I would do is figure out what is important to you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, do your kids need you that much? Do you need to be home when they get off the bus? Like, do you need a child, a place that has childcare in it? Do you, can you travel? Like, you know, what do you need? What are the core things that you need to be happy in this job? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third thing is just persistence. And I, I, I probably persistence and um, cast a wide net because this, um, where I ended up is not any, it's not law that I've, I had done before, but I was impressed with how the law firm was set up mm-hmm. and intrigued by it. And I was very impressed with the managing partner that it made me want to submit my, um, application. And, um, and so I think I, but if I just looked at what they had done, I probably wouldn't have applied. Mm-hmm. So definitely persistence and, you know, don't be afraid to just put your application out there. Cause I think, um, military spouses have a lot or, and veterans probably, well, definitely veterans have a lot of, um, advantages that other people are not advantages, but skills that other people don't have just by mm-hmm. the way they live their lives. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. We definitely talk a lot about that kind of level of resilience and persistence and tenacity <laughs> and all these kind of skills that you end up being, you know, 
builds cooperation. I think that's another thing that we don't, you know, collaboration. Yeah. Because we just, you know, you, you kind of have to, you're forced into it. Like I always tell people I was terrible, terrible at asking for help for anything. And I think military life beat that right out of me. Because yeah. <laughs> I, you know. I say the same thing about the, like the stupid question. Like, <laughs> you know, I ask the stupid question all the time because, <laughs> you know, in military life, you move somewhere and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, I don't know where the gas station is. <laughs> What's the best one to go to? And, and you, right. you know, and so, and it's the same thing with jobs, like, mm-hmm. and there's nothing, there really isn't anything wrong with us asking a mm-hmm. stupid question or asking for help because mm-hmm. you're not going to learn it otherwise. So, right. Yeah. But it is amazing how paralyzed people can be, myself included, in the past, you know, to to not be like that and to be scared to be inquisitive. And I think that's just like a natural thing that you have to do when you're in the military. And and certainly when you're a veteran, you know, that's kind of, you know, OJT. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> you just got to figure it out on the way. And that that is a huge skill and a benefit, I think. Um, so you, it sounds like you have a, a fantastic employer, but what what could employers in general, whether they're law firms or other businesses, but, you know, what could employers learn from your experience um, in, and about how to be more inclusive and innovative when it comes to hiring military spouses? Well, I think um, I'm, I am going to answer your question, but one, one advantage, one skill, skill that I think most military spouses have that um, mm-hmm. is that their ability to process large amounts of information Mm-hmm. And I think that's a skill that isn't, I don't, I'm not sure if it is taught in school, like taught or, but I think it's definitely learned by military spouses that they're able to process large amounts of information, figure out what's important and what's not and and lay it out in a way that they can keep track of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that that is a skill that with our information based like society is going to become more and more valuable. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's definitely an advantage that military spouses have. Um, for employers, what I would say is that I think in today's world, the ability to work remotely is becoming easier and easier. Mm-hmm. And um, I think employers should look, take a very real look at whether they can have a job that either is remote or can become remote or part-time remote. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I think that will not only really help them employ more military spouses, but I think it'll open up their pool of applicants significantly to other people who might have other issues. And mm-hmm. if you have a wider pool of applicants, you're going to get better people, mm-hmm. which I would think would be a great thing for most employers, or if not all. <laughs> sure. And I think that there's also a, a very, it's like a fine difference, but it's it's worth mentioning, like, you know, a... Positions that are remote versus work from home. They sound like the same things, but really, you know, the remote work kind of addresses um, portability. So it's not just like, you know, attractive to people who want to work out of their home office or something like that, but really people that like they have this challenge of relocating from place to place because they have a spouse that is needing to do that. And so, you know, that you don't have to worry about transferring offices when you get to the next place like you know having a job that is remote so you can go kind of anywhere in the world and do it is um 
is important because it's not always about working, you know, because some people don't work at home. Maybe they work out of a virtual office, you know, somewhere or or a workspace somewhere. Um, That's, you know, the attraction isn't staying at home so they can do one thing or another, but it's just that, okay, like I worked in this city. Now I can go to another city in a different state and be doing the same thing and not have to do a a transition in that sense. Um, Yeah. I think for, a lot of times when I hear people um, talking about military spouses they and employment, they think like, oh, they just want to be able to work from home, <laughs> like from inside their home. And like, as a military spouse, I want nothing more than to be out of my home yeah. after, after, after being home for so long, you know, but it's not the work from home. It's just like, okay, I want to be able to transfer and exactly not, not stress. <laughs> and, or, you know, if you, if your husband has to, I mean, I worked on the days that we were PCSing, I was sitting. Mm-hmm. in our I guess it was the Navy Lodge and working mm-hmm. and it, it, there was no interruption and I've worked mm-hmm. I've done work from our car while we're traveling and so have the other other people on my team who aren't military mm-hmm. spouses mm-hmm. and you know and so it's and I've worked from my parents house in Atlanta mm-hmm. because we've gone down there so I think it's just it's a huge um I think it's a huge advantage for mm-hmm. the um, company or the employer because, for example, over Christmas, there were a couple of urgent matters that came up like on Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. they didn't take that long. And I got mm-hmm. on, I was able to get online for 20 minutes and take care of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you weren't used to working remotely, that would, it would have been more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built to support working from home or working remotely in that sense. Um, and I mean, you know, and there's lots of information out there. I think, I don't think companies really need to be reminded about how much money they can save when yes. not investing in real estate <laughs> and, you know, like instead investing in cloud architecture and things like that. Like there's just, there are a lot of benefits to employers. It's just ultimately it comes down to a matter of like, how good are you as a business of being organized and trusting your employees and collaborating virtually? Um, you know. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing is trust. Um, mm-hmm. And that was actually my second thing is I think, it is, I mean, my, the, my firm put an enormous amount of trust in me and it's mm-hmm. not only that, um, that I am going to, you know, do my job well, but it's that I'm, you know, I, I don't have set work hours. And so I do mm-hmm. some work on the weekends, but there's also times like during the day where I want to go do things that are not work, whether it's mm-hmm. a doctor's appointment or I want to go have lunch with my kid at school or whatever it might be, and they trust that I'm going to get my work done. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think that, and they they don't like they're not Big Brother looking right. over my shoulder and such. And I think that I can see that that would be hard to do for a lot mm-hmm. of um, companies. But I think that, and it's a hard step to take. But I think that if you give people the ability to organize their life so that they can do their job and live the life they they want to live, mm-hmm. that they're gonna stay you know stay with that employer because they can do Mm -hmm. both and they're also going to do a really great job for you yeah well I think it's very industrial revolution (laughs) to think about like work in terms of how long you've been sitting in a seat and how long you occupied a space in a building or you know I mean it's just much more kind of uh, you know I don't I don't like the word modern, I don't really mean that word, but you know, it's just more of a modern day thing to really think about, okay, well, it's, it's about what we produce and how we contribute 
over, you know, how long we've been sitting in a spot. And I think that a lot of that is very measurable and more, in fact, more measurable than whether or not people have been, you know, clocked in and, and checked in mentally during the hours that you see them might sitting at a desk. So. No, I, I think that's entirely true. And mm-hmm. like what we do, what I do is very time sensitive mm-hmm. and, um, like so that in the culture for a lot of New York firms and a lot of um of our clients is that they work till like ten o'clock at night. They work from like mm-hmm. ten in the morning to ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Well, being in the military and then having a military family, I am a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> and so and so working at ten o'clock at night, I have had some late nights, but Mm-hmm. Um, I, I typically I'll get up and I'll check at like five, you know, when I get up at five thirty in the morning, Oh, is there anything that, that needs my attention right now mm-hmm. and take care of it then? And I think, I mean, and so I think that, that, you know, I'm a little bit unusual in that sense, but everyone has, you know, everyone gets it, it on time and mm-hmm. I think they get a b- better product too. Cause yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because honestly, I think you're going to get a better product from someone who was working at their peak exactly. time. I mean, there was a point in time, which has long passed me <laughs> when I was, you know, a coder and web developer and my best times for working were 1130 at night to 230 in the morning. <laughs> like my brain was on. That is not true at all. Right. <laughs> at this yeah. Point in my life. <laughs> but, Military beats it out know. of you. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, hey, okay, like that was the best time for me to work, and I, you know, it was it was a good thing, and I was the most productive then. So the same thing applies if you're, you know, it's about what you produce and the quality of what you produce. So I think that's great, awesome. All right, well, that wraps up all the questions that I have. Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention, or no? Um, I'm interested in hearing your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been a great podcast. <laughs> um, I I am just super appreciative because I just feel like I, you know, the whole reason I started doing this podcast is because I just, over the last six years of not working, I've definitely encountered, you know, you're definitely one of these people who I, I you know, count in my mind as like, wow, I can't believe all the things she's accomplished, all the things she's done. And, you know, and, and watching your journey to, you know, going back to doing what you love professionally while still maintaining, you know, your, your life and being a mom and being a military spouse, like there's a lot of lessons to be learned. And I definitely remember those nights when I had little babies and, you know, I'd left my career. I'm thinking like, when am I going to get my brain cells back again? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> How am I going to do this? How am I going to get back into my career eventually? Maybe, I don't know. And it's always helpful to hear other people's stories and how they actually approached it um, and, and how they do it. Cause it's like an ongoing process. It's not like a, you try one thing and then. Oh no, I think you're right. <laughs> and I, well, the other thing is, is that I think, I think we give ourselves too little credit because, mm-hmm. um, and I try to remind myself of this, like those, when you have little kids, that is an incredibly hard job all by itself mm-hmm. without like having yep. to worry about like, well, what's happening to my career. And our, I, I like, I hope, I think our society is moving towards this, but that it should be fine for mm-hmm. either a man or a woman to say, nope, you know what? My kids need me right now, whether they're three or they're 13. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to take three years off from my career because I can financially and um, I can make it work. And I'm going to, I'm going to take care of my kids for three years mm-hmm. because they need me. And I think, I hope that we're moving towards that because I think we'll have 
we'll we'll get a better product. I think mm-hmm. our kids are gonna, our kids need us, and that that shouldn't. It's not an excuse, and it um, it's a reality. And mm-hmm. um, I think I really think we're moving towards that as a society. But mm-hmm. the first step is to believe it as a parent. Mm-hmm. And I like I do kind of like I definitely look back and I look at my, my friends from law school who graduated and you know went on to these high, high powered law firms. Though I I'm completely happy where I am. Like I had a very <laughs> different path to get there. And um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade those those early years of just being able to chase bubbles in the front yard with mm-hmm. my little kids at all. Well, like if I did a parenting podcast, you would also be a guest on that podcast because like you are like the top of the tops when it comes to like fearless motherhood (laughs) and just in like all in parenting. Like you're just, I love how involved you are and how, how like incredibly independent and loving your kids are. And just like, I, I love it. And I loved that. I got to be your neighbor and watch all that unfold. And I keep getting to watch that because, you know, it's just, it, it's, there's something really special about it. And it, it takes a lot of confidence and, and energy and, <laughs> and love to like make all that work, you know? So yeah, it's, it's been cool watching you go through that too. So well, thank you, Jamie. That means that means a ton coming from you. <laughs> because I, I will say, being my neighborhood, you probably saw me at my worst also when I was dragging oh my, my kids home from the t- playground crying. <laughs> That's every parent in the history of parenting. <laughs> That's what we do. Like, that, there's just perfection and all of that imperfection. So, oh, I love it. But anyway, thank you so much for your time. I'll let you get back to your, your day. And, um, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, All Jamie. Right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Liesl. She's a great mom, wife, attorney, and friend. And my family was so lucky to be near hers as we were also raising our two youngest children. I'm glad she was able to share her stories and advice with you. This podcast is always a work in progress and I'd love your feedback. You can email me at jamie at sounbecoming.com or connect with me on LinkedIn by going to jamiemuskoff.com. If you are a military spouse who wants to inspire and educate others with your own story of unbecoming, I'd love to hear from you. So please connect with me when you have a chance. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time on So Unbecoming. Bye for now.